When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do To Kill a Mockingbird, Harry Potter, and Where the Wild Things Are all have in common? Other than being popular children's books, there's something else that these classics share. All three are among the growing list of novels banned in many U.S. school libraries. While controversial books have been challenged in the past, it seems like lately they're facing more opposition than ever before. Over the past two years, we've seen a growing kind of snowball around book bans. It started in Texas with the circulation of lists of books and angry parents and citizens coming to school board meetings, demanding the removal and censorship of those books. And then before you knew it, it was happening in many states. You had not only more groups forming with the goal of removing books from schools, but politicians jumping in on this as well. And in some cases, you know, demanding that schools remove certain books, but in other cases, starting to compose and even pass new laws that essentially serve to facilitate or encourage book banning of one kind or another. That's Jonathan Friedman, director of free expression and education programs at Penn America, a nonprofit focused on celebrating literature and protecting free expression. He says that these bans aren't new. In fact, books have faced censorship as far back as the colonial era. However, today, it's reached a different level. A growing number of states, such as Oklahoma, Missouri, and Utah, have all passed book-banning legislation. But no state has taken it as far as Florida. The state's Don't Say Gay bill that passed last March bans the discussion of LGBTQ issues for students in third grade and below. This has led to books about gender and sexual orientation being wiped from school libraries, effectively also removing access for kids in higher grades. Across Florida, many school districts have interpreted this to mean that they have to remove all books with any LGBTQ content whatsoever, particularly from classrooms or even school libraries. And the concern that, you know, a third grader might access one such book and somehow be breaking this law means that, say, a whole elementary school will just take all such books out of their library. On top of banning LGBTQ content, these laws also target books that discuss critical race theory or have sexually explicit content. There has been a pretty consistent streak of targeting books that have to do with race or racism or American history. This is how you have situations where a biography of Martin Luther King or Rosa Parks could end up banned in a school district for one reason or another. The second set of targeted topics is LGBTQ identities, and that has really ranged from books that are young adult fiction to, say, a children's book that just presents a same-sex couple, even innocuously. They're just, this kid has two moms. People don't want students to have any access to that and knowledge of those identities and families whatsoever. And then the third most prominent theme is about sexual content. There are groups who have long been opposed to sex education in public schools, and some of them have been very heavily involved in 
in drawing attention to this, but also sharing lists of books online that have some kind of sexual content in them and encouraging schools to remove them. One of these groups is Moms for Liberty, a nonprofit organization that seeks to protect parental rights in education. They've been one of the biggest driving forces behind book banning legislation. One mom, Tia Bess, is a volunteer who joined the group after her daughter checked out a popular fiction book from the school library with a graphic sex scene. What piqued my interest is when it happened to my own daughter. Because at first I was in denial, like, well, I mean, come on, these people, they're crazy. They're making something from nothing. They're over-exaggerating. What's a book going to do? But then... My daughter's school, she had a book in her hand that was worse than 50 shades of gray, in my opinion. She's 14 years old in the junior high. She's in middle school. That means this book is available for 11, 12, and 13. Not only did this raise concern for her daughter, but also for her seven-year-old son with autism. Bess feels that he's not ready to learn about certain topics and also sometimes struggles to read social cues. My biggest concern is what about the children who have autism? What about the kids that have special needs? If they see it, they're going to do it. I'm not sheltering my son. I just know that he's not ready for it. As for books that discuss LGBTQ and racial issues, Bess believes that they don't need to be banned completely, but should require an adult signature sign-off. As an African-American woman and a member of the LGBTQ community herself, Bess adds that it's important that students learn about these topics. However, she prefers that these conversations are had in the privacy of one's home rather than at school. Like many other members of Moms for Liberty, she believes it's a parent's right to control when and how their children learn about these subjects. That's why Bess advocated for Florida House Bill 1467, also known as the K-12 Education Act, which went into effect on January 1st. Basically, this law requires that books in the elementary classrooms be age-appropriate and grade level. I mean, that's very clear for me. If you want more for your child, go to the public library. I support this piece of legislation because I have that child that I can't protect. I can't always be there with him. You know, he's not going to have someone at school with him and tell him, hey, don't read this. That's not appropriate for you. If you're going to put it within hands reach, it should be appropriate. On the other hand, Friedman argues that school libraries already have a system in place to make sure students like Bess's son are only accessing age-appropriate content. A lot of the times people are talking about the issue of age appropriateness, but they don't have necessarily alternative solutions. What you will find is that actually many schools and librarians in particular have developed sensible systems to already adjudicate this. They have ways of seeing what kinds of books are interesting to students at different ages. They are attuned to the fact that two students of the same age can read with vastly different interests and abilities. And so it's actually the purpose of a library to have a wide range of content available. And, you know, anyone who's been a teacher for many years has learned what kinds of topics are age appropriate and developmentally appropriate and how to explain them to students in ways that students can understand. He adds that by removing books in schools that discuss controversial or sensitive subject matter, we're cutting off young people from forming their own well-rounded opinions. This deletion of information disproportionately silences the voices of minorities, the LGBTQ community, and other vulnerable populations. But Bess believes that exposing kids to certain books, 
could hinder growth. For example, the book Push, which was turned into the movie Precious, is available at her children's school library. The book discusses sexual assault and teen pregnancy, both of which are topics she doesn't think they're ready to learn about just yet. Plus, she says that stories like Push can be traumatizing and triggering to children who've dealt with these issues at home. For Bess, banning books has nothing to do with political ideologies, but everything to do with protecting her kids. I want all of my kids to be the best versions of themselves without outside interference. It's not a one-sided argument. It's for both sides of the fence, regardless if you're Democrat, Republican, even if you don't vote at all. We all have kids. We're all parents. We all want to heal generational curses and prevent trauma. Despite conflicting views on the issue, one thing is for certain. These book bans are escalating to a new level. This situation is becoming one in which people are trying to institutionalize book banning as a more regular part of schools and more narrowly dictate what can and cannot be taught and thought about in school places. And that's concern when we think about the role of education and public education in particular in a democratic society. There are two sides to every argument, and this, no doubt, is an important ongoing debate. To find out more about this topic and our guests, Jonathan Friedman and Tia Bess, visit viewpointsradio.org. This segment was written and produced by Grace Galanti. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. Studio production by Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. Coming up next week. We have fewer people who are certified in those positions that have historically been challenging to staff. There's a reason more students are failing proficiency tests in key subjects. Then. We have a president that has followed an authoritarian playbook with someone that comes to power through elections. But once in power, he's turned his back on these basic democratic guarantees. Mexico will also be electing a new president this year. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Viewpoints for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows. And find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout.
That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.